They laid leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. December 5th, 1997 was the day that the Capitals moved famously down to the district and really changed the course of the organization that eventually led to becoming a Stanley Cup winning franchise. And this is the anniversary of that date. So I got someone to come on who is actually at that game and now in a way covers his favorite team. What's up, Caps fans? Welcome to another edition of the Capital Building Podcast, part of Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Rob Carlin. As always, I ask you to download, subscribe, leave a rating, write a review. It all helps get the word out about the most in-depth Caps podcast anywhere. My guest today is longtime Caps fan and sports anchor at my old station, WMAR-TV in Baltimore. Sean Stepner is joining me from his basement, rocking his old-school Capital Center T-shirt with an old-school Capitals backwards hat on with the Prince of Wales logo on the side. I, I mean, you went, I, I want to say like you went and found all this stuff. You had to rummage through. I feel like this was right at the top of your, you know, the hat was right there. It gets used off and the t-shirt gets worn. This is not anything that you went digging out for me. Okay. So first of all, it's awesome to be on this podcast. Um, and uh, thanks for, for asking me to, to join you. So, Okay, so I wear the, the shirt all the time. I love it. My brother got it for me a few years ago. Um, the hat, I don't, I never wear because it's kind of like, I don't know. It's like, it's, very it's, from, like the, it's, it's from the mid 90s. It doesn't fit totally great, but I thought I should get it for this occasion because um, I have a feeling we're going to be doing some reminiscing, maybe. I don't know, since it's about, you know, the, the, uh, the MCI Center opening. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, if you look closely, it's my dog when he was a puppy in the 90s chewed this part, so I had to cut it off. And yeah, but. Um, and which actually, is, which is all cat- part of the charm of the hat. When your dog has yes. chewed off part of it, I mean, that makes it, then you know it's been through some stuff with you. I do wear my old school starter jackets, though. I have two capital starter jackets, and I do wear those. So. See, I don't know. I might, I might wear the hat before I wear the old school starter jackets. I'm not going to lie to you. So They're you were a comeback, Rob. They're right. making a comeback. <laughs> okay. You keep saying that. <laughs> uh, so you were at the arena. So we're, we're recording this on Saturday afternoon, December 5th. This is the anniversary. This is being released on Monday, but you were at the arena when, when it opened, which I imagine is way before I was here. Um, actually, I guess 97, December of nine, I was, I had just started my first job in Salisbury. So I was working at WMDT in Salisbury, but you know, I was probably too busy, uh, covering a Salisbury men's and women's basketball game that day. And also shooting some high school basketball games. Um, but what was the excitement level of a caps fan going from the cap center, which I imagine was still near and dear to your heart, but now all of a sudden 
I mean, you got this shiny new building in downtown Washington, D.C. What were you thinking as you went to the game? Yeah, so, um, well, first of all, I, I've been to, I mean, countless games at the Capitol Center and NCI Center and Verizon Center, Capital One Arena. Um, but, you know, growing up, I loved the Capitol Center, right? Like, um, you grew smell. up in Bowie. You grew up in I grew Bowie. Up in, so right, you're, okay. Yeah, so, you're yeah. a local guy. I grew up in Bowie, played hockey for Bowie Hockey Club, absolutely obsessed over hockey and the capital specifically. My dad grew up in Montreal, met my mom who's from Silver Spring. Um, so, and, and, you know, we grew up in Maryland. My, my father, Dave, really turned me on to hockey. And um, the Capitol Center was the place. So they move out of the Capitol Center and um, it was in the middle of the season because uh, I believe that they were supposed to move it. They, the then MCI center was supposed to be ready for the start of the 97, 98 season, but delays happened. And I mean, think about it. It's December. I know there's no hockey being played now, but that's not the norm. Nothing's normal right now. Um, unfortunately. So, I mean, you play a few games, at the capital center, and then you move into the new building. And I remember that it was sad to leave the capital center. I was at the final game of the capital center. And I remember like walking out, of the portals because it was it was portals where you where you walked into whatever sections there were and I remember walking out turning back getting the last look and then walking uh, back yeah. in getting walking back in and then doing it again and then finally my dad's like Sean we gotta go I gotta work tomorrow morning <laughs> and you go to school so uh and I vividly remember what it looked like and then the MCI center we took the metro to the game well first of all Okay, so I, I had a game that night. I believe it was a Friday. I had a game for Bowie High School. I was a junior in high school. Uh, so I had a game. So it was one of the few of the countless games I've been to that I actually arrived after opening faceoff. <laughs> and I remember get, um, taking the Metro, and you were able to take the Metro to watch the Caps. It was just right. a, a right. very Which seemed weird, crazy, right? You're not crazy. driving. You're not parking in a parking lot, right? No. And I remember emerging from the escalator at Gallery Place and thinking, like, okay, where's the rink? And then looking, just just turning my head, and it's right there. <laughs> you know, that's so funny. It was, funny. Just, it was it's so funny because now that's so natural that so I can't natural. imagine not just getting off and you know, well, yeah, I'm at the arena now. That's so funny. Yeah. It was so bizarre. And then you walk in and yeah, I mean, the, the Caps are playing the Panthers and everybody's there and they had the, you know, red, white, and blue frills hanging from, you know, for special events. And it was a bit, it was a big atmosphere for a regular season game in December. And it was pretty cool. I mean, it felt big time. I, I'm sure if I was older, um, I would have understood how big it really was at the time, but I didn't, I was a kid. I was a junior in high school, uh, but it, it did feel big. It felt that the capitals were not had made it, uh, but it was, um, they were on par with what was happening uh, in, in the country regarding sports. Right. Right. It's funny too, that you say that you went back and, you know, into the portal and looked back into the cap center. Um, 
because, and you know, everyone knows now I grew up in Long Island and when the Caps supposedly closed down Nassau Coliseum, when they played the Islanders that year, I got to cover that, you know, it was part of the game broadcast. And, and, um, and I remember thinking the same thing, like, man, so many memories here. In fact, hang on my wall, I'll, I'll tilt my, uh, my computer here. But I don't know if you could see up on the wall there, that was a paper towel dispenser with the original Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum logo on it. It was in the media room. And when I first got there, I was like, oh, I'm taking that. And I was like, how am I gonna get that thing off the wall? I mean, it is a big paper towel dispenser. So they, the Caps beat and they go on to play the Rangers the next round. And you remember Chuck Gormley was our insider at the time. Chuck, he, we get to the garden for like morning skate and he goes, hey, come outside to my car. I got something for you. I was like, what are you? <gasps> No. And he's like, yeah, I ripped it off the wall. It was the last one in the Coliseum and I ripped it off the wall. So now I've got it hanging an old, like original 1972 logo on there. So it's, but you know, like that becomes part of your life. So to say goodbye, even though there's this incredible excitement of a new arena, a little part of like the childhood inside you dies with that building, right? Not a little part, a big part. Right. I mean, it, it, it's, it's more about the memories, you know, like you said, every time you look at that paper towel dispenser, um, it's far from the prettiest thing in that room. I mean, I, I'm not there, right? but it, I mean, I, I'm going to go it's out the most awesome say, thing in this room. Like, I love I'm, that. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's, it's probably your most prized possession in that room. Maybe. Hey, uh, I mean, absolutely. In a room full of like great them. nostalgia, that is probably the thing because everything else is like, pictures of stuff I did or you know cover games but that's like something from my childhood that's like that's the Coliseum man you know I mean I saw the Islanders win a cup in that building you know like that that yeah so you just it's just part of your childhood I mean the Capitol Center was um it was so special because it was far first of all it looked unique uh I mean the Saddle Dome is the closest thing you can get to it but oh, I should have dug it. I have a little, um, a little kind of uh, replica Capital Center that you can open the lid and, oh. and you can see it. Anyway, That's for the awesome. next podcast. That's but awesome. anyway, so I mean, I can still smell the, the the smell of the stale beer and the popcorn that you smelled when you went inside one of the four entrances uh, to the Cap Center. I mean. And it's more about, like you said, the memories, um, you know, being with my dad, who's no longer, you know, around, you know, he, he passed away four years ago. And, um, you know, I graduated high school inside that building uh, oh, from yeah. Bowie High School. And I played a couple games there for Bowie Hockey Club. Um, so it's, it, but you, life goes on, things change. And um, yeah, it was, it was a special place for sure. So, but, uh, you know, outside of coming up at the gallery place and being like, where's the rink? What's sort of like your, your biggest memory takeaway of being in the building when they made this switch? Because there is something, and, you know, we kind of forget now, but going from the suburbs, which was the thing for all arenas, you know, parking lots and all that, to a downtown arena, like, like you said, now it feels like, we're in the heart of Washington, D.C. This is the Washington Capitals. It's this new building. You know, there's excitement about this team. What's your biggest memory from that night? Um, I mean, I, it, it more revolves around the atmosphere 
uh, like you said, it, it's just kind of being kind of part of where sports is going. For a long time, the Capitals, uh, they never got the flashiest players. They never got the, the number one goal scorers that they needed. They had Bondra, uh, but uh, they had Gartner, uh, but they never got the, the top flight centermen that they needed or that, you know, they could, they never got the big time free agent that they needed. And now they're, they're kind of with it with this arena. And um, I do remember also around the arena, it wasn't like today. There wasn't that much. Right. And, and that was part of what they were planning with that arena to build up around it. And, and boy, has it become that it'd been, you know, there's a entertainment and restaurants and, and the like around there. So, um, yeah, I do remember there was not a lot going on <laughs> uh, when you kind of emerged from the metro. Uh, but when, once you got inside, hey, and you know what else I remember? Seeing an escalator at a Caps game, <laughs> which, which, which sounds weird. But for people that went to the Capitol Center, there were stairs. And right. there were a lot of stairs if you sat in the upper levels and, and seeing escalators at, at the Cavs. I don't know. Maybe that sounds silly, but no, it's just funny. one of those things. It's one of those things that I remember that I'm like, wow, now we don't have to walk up <laughs> three flights of stairs or more to get to, to get to a game. I remember this, the suites, they weren't sky suites anymore. You know, there were sky suites in the Capitol center. There were suites on the 100 level. Um, I've never watched a game from the the suites, but um, yeah. So, well, I saw you posted the the ticket that you have from that game, and it's just cool, you know. I mean, like the fact that you're a lifelong fan, and you were at the last game at the Cap Center, and the first game at the new building, pretty awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was great, and my I have to I have to thank my grandfather. Uh, Manny Ginsburg, he, he, he had season tickets for a long time and he, he was in the hundreds and he like the like three, three rows down from the 100 level. And uh, I believe he, he got us those tickets and um, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And watching the old barn close up and the new barn open was a treat for sure. So who were your guys growing up? Rod Langway was my all-time idol favorite player. Uh, and it's not because he didn't wear the helmet or, um, you know, I, I, just, I just respected the way he played. Uh, Stay-at-home defenseman, accountability, leader, captain, um, and really kind of like changed the franchise. And so when I started playing hockey, I was a defenseman. I wore number five. And I did not care that much about scoring. I really relished defending and shutting people down. I would like, I wouldn't root for two on ones against me, but I loved when I, there'd be a two on one against me because my partner like jumped into the play and got caught or something. And I would just, I, yeah, I remember that feeling right now. Like I'm going to shut this down. They're not going to score. They're not going to pass. Um, we had, we had, you know, a couple of good goalies on our team and I was like, you know, just let them take the shot and they'll get stopped and blocking shots. I took so much pride. I got extra wide uh, shin pads to block shots. I love getting, <laughs> I love getting bruised and I, I, I loved 
being a little nasty and dirty and, you know, kind of slashing behind the knees. And so you were um, Rod Langway. You really, yeah, you think I guess so. Are? Yeah. I mean, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> without, the, without, without the height, um, without, um, no, no clearly, offense, the skill. I mean, he had, he had the skill on you. Not, yeah. not nearly the skill, but I did, you know, I took, I, I was a captain and an alternate captain on a bunch of my teams. I took pride in that. Um, and so, yeah. Um, so what year, guy. so what year was, what years, like what year was that? That I was playing? Yeah. Or, like give me, give me a year where so, you so were my, like number five. My, I never wore any other number. Right. So what was your first year? So, so you're talking about. So I started in, I started playing hockey in 1990, 91. Okay. Um, so uh, I was about what, nine, nine years old. And, yeah, when, and, so, and, and the memory, of, I'm going somewhere with this, but the memory of you being the shutdown defender, wanting the two-on-one, roughly what year in your mind are you thinking right there? This may be second year. <laughs> I mean, that, right, that's, so you're like, just, just, you're like just 10, always, it's like 91, 92, somewhere around there. Yeah, okay, that's always so, what I wanted to do. 2020 has certainly reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month in the Comscore total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit as Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best Offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is indeed back in full swing, and we are getting towards the playoff chase. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So 91-92, you're wearing number five. You want to be a shutdown defenseman because of your all-time favorite player, Rod Langley. Where were you on the night of June 7th, 2018, when the Caps finally 
won the Stanley Cup? I was at Langway's restaurant in Gambrels next to Rod Langway. <laughs> I mean, which box is check, a, box check. Where, where a, else would you want to be? A total mind blower. Um, and, and how that came about was, uh, like, like you had mentioned, I work for WMAR, I'm a sports reporter for the ABC affiliate in Baltimore. And, you know, we don't cover necessarily the caps on a regular basis. Um, but there are tons of hockey fans in Baltimore and the surrounding area. Oh, we got huge numbers in Baltimore. Always do. And yes. certainly during the cup run. So. You know, as they're as they're making their run, I'm thinking, you know, I, I, I we have to cover this. And so I found I found Baltimore angles. I, I talked to a longtime Caps um, fan who runs the pro shop at Ice World in Abingdon, and I talked to um, Kenny Albert, who everybody knows Kenny Albert, but he he got his start with the Caps and going to Piney Orchard in Anne Arundel County and with Barry Trotz. With Barry Trotz, and um, you know, Piney Orchard is. 15 minutes from where I grew up. So the June 7th, game five, I wanted to find a Capitals bar that's showing the game, that's picking up business because the Caps are doing well. And I wanted to find one in our viewing area. And Anne Arundel County is our viewing area for sure. I know you're in Annapolis and went to Langways. I mean, I'm a little biased. And I, we get done the interview with the owner and, and some of the management and the, the owner's like, Hey, why don't you come down to watch the game tonight? Um, you know, Sylvain Cote is going to be here. Rod Langway is going to be here. This person's going to be here. I'm like, wait, wait, what? Who's going to be there? <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. Did you say Rod Langway? Did you, did you say Rod? Lang so I told him, so I'm like, <laughs> that was my guy. And I had met Rod a couple times before when I was younger, but I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, if this, if they win the cup tonight, and I'm sitting next to Rod Langway. This is going to be epic. And I don't like to watch games at bars. No, me neither. You know? I like. I, I, I want to hear the game. I want to overreact. I want to sweat. I want to clap. Yeah, I, I'm same thing. I want to be. I want to be quiet. I'm not. I don't want to talk to anybody. Right. Right. And, and more so, I don't want anyone talking to me. Correct. I want. To, I want. If it's my team, if I'm watching Maryland, you know, the Caps are obviously different. I was working, but it's my team. I want to watch. I want to focus. Like I want to be checking stats. Like I, I want a whole thing. I don't need yap, yap, yap in my ears. That being said. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, so Rod Lang was going to be there. I'm like, I'm, I'm there. So my brother who also a big hockey fan, Daniel, he lives in Delray, Florida right now. He actually flew up here before game five, because he said, he said to me a couple of days before, he's like, I, I can't, if the Caps win the cup, I can't be in Florida. I have to be at least, if I can't be in Vegas, I got to at least be in Maryland with maybe, you know, hopefully with you, we're watching it together. I'm like, yeah. So he flew up and we went to the game. And what was funny was I, I had no intention of watching it with Rod Langway. I just knew he would be there and it'd be pretty cool. But Rod knew a couple people that I knew at the bar that just happened to be there that I used to play hockey with in Bowie. And so we just congregated together and ended up being there. And it was, um, it was pretty cool. It was, it was, no, 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 no
that I do have to be honest about is that Rod left in the second intermission. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> he, he said he had to, he had to, it was a long drive home or he had, maybe he had somewhere else to be, or maybe, and I don't know, maybe it was like really hard to watch the Cavs in the cup. Sure. I don't know. That's just in my head. And when he says like, all right, I, I got to go, I, you know, I got, I really have to be somewhere. He has a cup. He's won the cup. Um, he won the cup with Montreal. His name's on the cup, but you know, he, he, he's an all time capital. But so when he, he said, I got to go. And I, I'm in my head, I'm like, Oh, no. <laughs> can I come with please. you? <laughs> this is not how, this is not how. You're supposed to jump in your arms at the end of the night. Right? We're supposed to be hugging and crying yeah. together. This and is... instead, I instead I hugged and cried with my brother and wept in my pillow when I hit my hit my head it, because like I didn't I didn't cry when they won the cup. I got a little shiver in my lip where I was like, but I was around a lot of people and it just didn't come out naturally. Went home, watched the replay of the celebration with my brother. When my head hit the pillow to go to bed around like four in the morning, I wept. Did you? And it was because of what we talked about. Yeah. Uh, with Dad the, with took the, the games. He's not here. The memories, the heartbreak, um, everything. And that's I know what, I'm not alone. That's I know what I'm not whole, alone with Cavs fans. No, that's what the whole thing is about. And that's why whenever, you know, anyone will make the, you know, God forbid you put something on social media that has, you know, real meaning in the world and you get to stick to sports. I'm like, yeah, I, okay. Sports is important, man. Like, I'll stick to sports. I love sticking to sports. It's really important to a lot of people. And I remember, I've always told the story of Alan with his kids before going on the air. And he had, you know, Alan's as tough as they come. And he's crying. And I, but what I'll always remember in addition to that is from where we were standing kind of at the, at the top of the first um, section in the, in the building in Vegas, there, I mean, there's a lot of arguments as to how many Caps fans were there. I say probably a little more than a third of the building was Caps fans. Alan says it was more than half, somewhere in between there. But there was a group of guys probably in their 30s, maybe early 40s, that were all together. And I have, actually have a picture on my, on my phone. They all just jumped in each other's arms and had like this big group hug. And you could see some of the guys were crying. And I was like, here's five dudes who flew to uh, Vegas to be there, dropped a ton of money and, you know, like just crying because that's, that's what it is, man. When you've been through so much, you could, you know, you could win multiple titles and it'll still get you every time because it's your team. But when you, when you're a Caps fan who's been through that much there, you don't have to explain why you, you got emotional that night. No Especially question. the fact no. that your dad was no longer with you and your brother came up for it and you were with Rod Langway, like all those things play into it. All yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was a night. It was a night. Hopefully it was a night. Experience it again soon. I know. No kidding. No kidding. I got the picture behind me there. I don't know if you can see that's, that's about four o'clock in the morning. That's me with the cup. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that is, that is so awesome. You, so you lifted it above your you, – you were yeah. lifting it above your head. That's yeah. amazing. I know. I know, I know. It's, a, it's a taboo. A lot of people don't, you know, yeah. I was like, you know what? I, I might never get this opportunity ever again. And, and, you and I'll, I'll, I'll tell this story now because we're, you know, statute of limitations and he just retired. But uh, Matt Niskanen was kind of sitting guard of the cup. 
And uh, I think, I think around four o'clock in the morning, perhaps he might have been overserved a little bit. You think? And uh, and I took advantage were, of him. There, there were, that's amazing. I was like, I was, no- like I was with Tarek El Bashir, and I was like, Tarek, we're going over to Niskanen. He's gonna have no recollection of this. I'm getting that cup. And and Niskanen first looked at me like, are you crazy? And then just kind of waved me on like I could do it. And uh, when I told him, he also wouldn't let me in the bar originally. He he shook me. Tom Wilson said I can go in with him, and Niskanen shook me off and said no media. And when I told him all of that at training camp the next year. No recollection. <laughs> it was I, as if I had, you know, told him a crazy story of like, he had no recollection. That is so great. Yeah. And it is, um, it is a dream of any hockey player or fan. And, you know, I, I knew, uh, I know John Walton through, um, through a friend, a couple friends um, that are not in, the Washington area right now. And I, now I know John a lot better, but a couple of years ago, I didn't know him as well. And I was able to go over to his house the night before the opener of the 2018-19 season where he had the cup at his house. And that was one of the most special nights of oh, my yeah. life. That, that and, trophy, man. And it's, and it's, you know, it, I'm lucky. I, I never take it for granted what I do. I never take it for granted that experience. I am extremely lucky to have that. And I remember I took a picture, you know, multiple pictures with the cup. And one of them is I brought up a picture of my dad on my phone. Uh, so oh. where my dad was there with me and it's so special to me and one of my brother, whatever, but never got to lift it because there were the keeper of the cup was there. And if there's oh, one yeah, thing, you can't. you can't, you can't move it. John right. Walton was the only one, John, if you're listening, I can't thank you enough for inviting me over that night, but he was the only one who could lift it up, um, who, who had permission. Right. So here's so he just, just so you see, let me see if I can get the, that's yep. the group of guys that were just, I mean, look at that. That's a big, oh, yeah. you know, like big doofy guys, you know, who, those are, trip. those are men those, 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 those are, are men. men yeah they're, those are they're probably men. in their 30s yeah if not you know one or two and maybe 40 year old and they this is one guy who just absolutely was in tears and uh you know that's that's what makes all of this so amazing um and so you know it's all about. yeah that's what it's all about so now let's look at uh let's look at this team this year Hopefully they get back on the ice sooner rather than later. There's all the reports, maybe mid-January now, whatever. We're, you know, we're figuring this out. I, I hope that they do not screw this up. And, you know, they, they have to get on the ice. First and foremost, figure it out. We, we just had the podcast with Ben Raby and Tarek. Whatever you got to do, get it worked out. Hockey can't afford to not have a season. No, they can't. And, um you know, I'm sure the biggest, the biggest roadblock, and I haven't, I haven't really followed the negotiations from an off ice perspective that closely because I'm, I'm really um, all in, you know, my, my job is, is Baltimore sports and all that. So in my, in my spare time, <clears throat> I, I, um, I dive into that stuff, but you know, from, 
when you compare the NHL and all their sports, the NHL really needs that gate money. They need, really yeah. need those fans, and they're they're not going to have them for who knows how long. They got to get on the ice. No preseason, ten day training camp. Um, they they, they got to get they got to get something. Um, they're not they're not going to play on January one. That as cool as that would have been to to have a New Year's Day game or a Winter Classic opener. It's December fifth. This pod comes out on December seventh, <laughs> and so they got you. You got to think they have to get something agreed upon this week coming yeah. up if we're yeah. going to have any semblance of like a longer, like sixty, fifty, what fifty-two game season, something like that. Um, hopefully, you know, I I think they're going to get it done. They have to get it done. They have to get it done. Uh, so where the team is right now, bringing in Henrik Lundqvist, they've loaded up on right-handed defensemen uh, to varying degrees of how good any of these guys are. Uh, are they better today than they were when they were eliminated by the Islanders? They are. Um, and I think the head coach has a lot to do with it. Okay. Uh, as soon as – I, I was never a, really a big fan. Todd Reardon, amazing guy. Um, was he, did he have the, his pulse, did he have the pulse of the team? But uh, you got to remember, everyone always says this. He was their choice. That was correct. not just Barry Trotz. You know, it, it was a falling out. They were ready for Todd Reardon. The, that, that group who has now chewed through a lot of head coaches, they wanted Todd Reardon somewhere. He lost them, but they wanted Todd Reardon. Was. I'm not as close to the team as you, but was he ready for them? Um, you know, they Maybe had not. just they had just won the cup. You you have to you almost have to take somebody from that staff right after you win the cup. But that's in the past. When Reardon was let go, the first guy I thought of. Well, for, first of all, I wanted the Lightning out so the Caps could hire Cooper. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I said that I, I, numerous, I get on that. Yep. I can numerous get on times that. But because I'm a huge Cooper fan, but um, the next guy was Laviolette. I'm like, this guy um, has done it everywhere. He, he's turned around franchises everywhere and makes conference and Stanley Cup finals. So, you know, that's lofty expectations for the next couple of years. But the, the roster, how it's put together right now, I don't see any reason why they, they can't do that. I like Henrik Lundqvist coming in. He's obviously at the, in the twilight of his career, but you put a Hall of Fame. He's not only a, a good goalie. He's a Hall of Fame goalie who's motivated. I mean, he's motivated. Um, he doesn't get to where he was, and he doesn't do the type of things that he did without that intrinsic next-level motivation. And there's going to be a better team in front of him who plays differently than the Rangers have the last few years. And I think that Lundqvist is going to win the job. I was just going to say, are you, are you predicting Lundqvist as the starter? Yeah, I think he's going to start. Wow. Um, yeah, I think he's going to start. I think he's going to be super motivated and, and a better goalie than he's been the last couple of years. Does that say something about Sam Sonoff, or are you giving that to the Hall of Fame goalie? Yeah, I don't think it says anything about Sam Sonoff. Uh, at all um maybe i think lundquist is going to be great for samsonov he's just got another guy 
um, that can teach him and kind of mentor him. And he can mentor him more than Holtby did. I mean, the things that, that, that Lundquist has, has seen as well doesn't have come, but hopefully he does next year <laughs> <laughs> or, the, or the year after. So, uh, but I, I think, I think the Lundquist signing was a good one. And he is another leader that can command that room as well. Uh, I mean, the guys on that team have to respect him. Maybe not as much as Obi, but maybe just right, right below him. And there's also, um, when you talk about being a leader, there was a little bit of a void uh, post Niskanen, post Brooks Orpik, as far as guys who were in the room to answer questions. And Lundquist obviously isn't going to be there every night because whether or not he's the starter, Samsonov is going to play a good amount of games. They have to have him mm-hmm. play a good amount of games. But as you saw in New York, Lundquist never shied away. And it's one thing to have, you know, Nick Dowd and Garnet Hathaway be there. Tom Wilson's always great. Oshi is always great. But at some point, you need someone else to explain away. And, and Oshi's not really going to explain away stuff. Oshi's going to be there. He'll be available. Wilson, to an extent, Niskanen and Orpik used to be brutally honest. And when they were bad, they said they were bad. And they said how it has to get better. And there was – you knew when the doors opened, they would be there. I think Lundquist will – accept some of that responsibility because he's so used to it. And I think that's a big thing in a room where Obi's not going to do that. Backstrom's not going to do that. They never have. Maybe it's because English isn't their first language, even all these years later, but they're not the guys who are going to stand up and say, you know, this ends now. We have to play better. And maybe Lundquist does. And that's accountability. To the media or to them, to, to the to room? Me, to the media. And I think to the room, Ovi's got the room. Backstrom quietly gets his point across. But there is – now, look, the media might never be allowed back in there, quite frankly. You know, like I always say, you can't put the toothpaste back in the, you know, in the, in the bottle. So we may never go back in there. But there is a sense of when we would go into postgame and the Caps had played a lousy game and lost – and, you know, every time the producer would get in my ear and say, all right, we got sound coming up. We got Matt Niskanen. And I'd toss her like, well, this should be interesting. Let's hear what Niskanen has to say. Because he would be brutally honest. And sometimes you just need those guys who are willing to, you know, not call out in a bad way, but admit when, if you think we sucked, it's because we sucked. And I was bad and he was bad and he was bad. And if we're not going to get better by next week, we're going to be on the outside of the playoffs looking in. And you need those guys. And I think Lundquist totally. will be that guy. Totally. Totally. But he can't be that guy who's not playing. Correct. Right? I mean, no, no, no. Yeah. Correct. And, and he won't so, be there every night. But when he does play, if you know, wh- however tough the Washington, D.C. media crew is, it ain't even a percentage of what the New York media is. So he's been through it at the highest level. For sure. And he knows how to do it. I mean, there's a, you can call out your teammates and, and – and needle through the media, but you got to do it the right way. Right. You're a player and he knows how to do that. And um, before coming to Baltimore, I worked at a couple different stations. I started in Hagerstown and I spent eight and a half years in Buffalo. And you talk about hockey crazed. Uh, it was amazing working in Buffalo, doing the job I did and covering the Sabres. And there were guys in that room, like Ryan Miller, this was, you know, when the Sabres had a few good teams and then they went, you know, on a downturn to say the least, but 
you know, Ryan Miller was like that. Um, uh, but Craig Ryan, Miller was the be- Ryan Miller was the best, best goal in hockey at, at that point, right? Yeah. So yeah, he's Craig playing, he's playing like 65 games that, you know, at that point, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and there was a thing, you know, that um, in that room where in Buffalo, you're, when, if you were the, the captain, if you were the captain, if you were the C, you were expected to talk. Win or loss, how you won, how you lost, doesn't matter. You're talking. So, um, and there was an expectation of that. Whether you're a good game or a bad game, you have to answer to what your team did. And so, yeah, I mean, different markets are, 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 are different in that regard. But, yeah, you, you definitely need that person to explain away or talk about what happened when things aren't going bad, when you're in that slump, um, pick people up. Because players say they don't see it or they don't hear it or they don't sure they read do. it. They do. And when it's done the right way, um, you, can, you can change the trajectory of where your team's going. Lundquist can do that for sure. Yeah, no, and, and the defenseman, uh, I, I do think that obviously bringing Laviolette in and his system and his track record, because the track record is going to get the player's attention right off the bat. So they look and go, this guy wins. He's won everywhere. And like you said, it's conference finals, it's Stanley Cup finals. And, you know, he did it with bad teams. He did it with good teams. The, the window's small because <laughs> mm-hmm. he's going to flame out in three years, but you could win a cup or two in the next three years with the Caps. But do you like the guys they brought in on defense? Like, they, they had no right-handed defenseman now. They've got a gluttony of them, and it's going to probably eat into any potential for Martin Favari to, you know, get a lot of ice time this coming year, which might be the yeah. better for his development. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I like uh, Schultz and Van Riemsdyk are the two main guys that you're looking at. I, I do like that, and I'm a big – um, guy on bring people in that have done it before and Schultz right. has certainly done it before been injured you want to recapture something with him uh, I think I, I'm a fan of Michael Kempney I like um, what he brings when he's on you know when, when he's playing well and uh, that hurts not to to see him go down like he did but yeah I like I like how they're they're changing things up a little bit on defense. I was never a big fan of bringing in Radko Gudis. I already thought you had your kind of um, enforcer with Wilson, even though Wilson is more than an enforcer, way more than an enforcer. So I was never a huge fan of bringing in Gudis. But First half of the season, he was really good. Way better than I thought he was going to be. And good in the room. Mm -hmm. You know, like I – he it tailed off, but I I thought – you know, they had to trade Niskanen, so you look back and you go, it's a bad trade, but they had to do it. But Gudis was better than I thought he was going to be for the first half. When they were really good, Gudis was playing at his best. Yeah, and can, can Schultz kind of fill that void of kind of that experienced guy? Uh, maybe not to love Brooks Orpik, but hey, I mean, the comparisons are there. Brooks, we know where Brooks Orpik came from, too, and Niskanen. Right. I mean, they came from, you know, that organization that shall not be named. Right. 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 So yeah, I like it. I mean, they're, they're not overhauling by any means. They're not trying to shake things up totally and they don't need to, they just need to be a little bit better in, in a lot of areas. Um, And they need, look, I mean, to win the cup, to to go deep in the playoffs, 
you need things to go right. I mean, you need a lot to go right. I mean, you know, bringing this full circle, those 80s and 90s Caps teams had it, almost had it all. Uh, they were very talented. And um, like I mentioned, one year in Buffalo, Terry Murray was an assistant coach. I forget who the head coach was. There were a lot of them. Might have been Ted Nolan. <laughs> but Terry Murray was an assistant. And I remember being at a press conference. Um, it was a big press conference for something. I forget. But I remember he was in the back, and I pulled him aside, and I told him you know, where I was from and the Cavs teams and everything we just talked about. And we were reminiscing about those old Cavs teams. And what he said was, he's like, we didn't have, like, the, the, the goalie that could steal you the game at, at any point. Good goalie. We didn't have those, like, top flight center guys. We needed to get over the hump. They had great teams. And that's what the Cavs had. They, they had great teams. And, and he also mentioned that they needed some luck. They had injuries in the playoffs. They had this, they had that. Um, they were playing Lemieux every year. And Dodger at the time. And that was really great. But they, they couldn't get over the hump. The Capitals finally did. They got a lot of luck. But remember the, the, the year after when he faced the Hurricanes, Oshie gets hurt. Right. And and Ketney got hurt too, right, that year? Yes. Um, so Ketney, that's right off the bat. And during that run for the playoffs, you didn't have those injuries. I mean, um, Baxter McClain, with, everybody's been done. Baxter McClain was with the, the hand, right, or the shoulder. Orpic, and, yeah, they all went and through their stuff. And, right. Yeah, and um, Wilson got suspended and all, all that stuff happened. But they were able to over, able But to they all came back. It. Right, they all came back. Right. Hey man, I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on, getting some old memories. Um, sounds like maybe your microphone is starting to dip out a little bit, so I want to let you go. Um, but it was good stuff. Like I said, the, when I saw that you were at the first game at MCI Center, it was the anniversary. Again, we're recording this on Saturday the fifth. I thought, you know, let's definitely get him on and talk about some of those, you know, old memories. And I think fans will will dig this one. So thank you very much. You're welcome. I have so many more. So if you ever want to talk old school caps, I am, I could talk for hours. So. Well, I, I will say this. If they don't get on the ice soon, I'm going to have to fill with a lot <laughs> of things. So I, I certainly might take you up on that. But Sean Stapner from WMAR TV in Baltimore, lifelong caps fan. Thanks again for your time. And again, if you're at home, you're listening, you're in your car, when you do get home, please download, subscribe, leave a rating write a review it all helps it's the capital building podcast part of blue wire podcast we will talk again soon let's go caps